Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It is Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. This is a another special quick hit episode of Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. As you know, unlike full episodes, these are quick takes, quick hit analyses of players or concepts. Um, I do not like talking about generic things like, you know, opening up the uh, uh, the fake newspaper and saying, hey, uh, this guy just got signed. Well, that's good. Um, that's boring, right? We need some kind of competitive edge. And every single podcast, we're trying to give you a slight competitive edge because that's as much as we can hope for. If fantasy football were easy, everyone would win all the time. It is not. The more competitive a league you're in, the harder it is to break through, the more um, of an edge you need on opponents who are actively looking for edges. And if you're in a casual league, you might not need much of an edge. But every little bit counts. If you know a little bit more about every player than everybody else, you've got an edge. You've got an edge in trades. You've got an edge in uh, well-timed waiver pickups. You've got an edge in the draft. You've got an edge all season long. The edge I want to talk about today is asking the question, did you know that in the last seven seasons, the preseason uh, 25th to 30th ranked running back, what I call the high-end RB3s, perform better than the low-end RB2s. That is the preseason top 19 to 24 running backs. So again, the 25 to 30 perform better than the 19 to 24. They perform better in points, fantasy points per game. They perform better in overall fantasy points. Um, they are on par in the first four weeks of the season. And then something very interesting happens. As the season goes on, there is uh, a distancing that takes place where the back end, the, the front end RB3s, um, on average, score more points in each of the, of the other quarters of the season, weeks five to eight, weeks nine to 12, and then we'll call the final few weeks, you know, now six weeks, used to be five weeks, uh, the final quarter. They're averaging more points in every single quarter after that first quarter. And I find that absolutely fascinating. That, that these um, guys who are drafted one to two to three rounds later are on average scoring more points. 
And I want to get into that just for a little bit. And obviously, we only have a few minutes to talk about it. And this could take hours to talk through in terms of really get into the minutiae of why we think this might be happening. But it all comes back to ADP and what makes ADP. ADP is, um, you know, it's, it's people looking at expert rankings. The experts have constructed rankings. With all respect to experts, a lot of these rankings correspond almost precisely with the previous season stats, which is why, for example, uh, at times when a great player um, sits out for half a season because he gets hurt, the next season, sometimes they are well below market, uh, their market value is well below where it should be. And that's even more true for good fantasy players, not great ones, but good ones. The guys who don't usually rise to the level of first few round picks, people tend to forget about them because they might score 122 fantasy points. They might have averaged 16 fantasy points a game, but because their total output was maybe 122, people kind of forget about them. They don't show up in the top 30 of the positional scoring, and so you kind of lose sight of them. It's human nature. We are all fallible. But the point is, these preseason rankings come from somewhere, and they come from humans, and humans make mistakes. And then we as managers who look at the ESPN or CBS Sports or Yahoo Sports or anywhere where we're doing online drafting, we see the rankings as dictated by ADP, as dictated by how other people are drafting their players, as dictated by the rankings that we're seeing these supposed experts present to us. So it all feeds into itself. We are essentially responding to whatever the market says a player's value is. Now, I know some of you listening are savvier than that. And, uh, and I would say most people are savvier than that on certain, in certain areas. You might have a strong belief that a player is undervalued. And you might say, mm, the experts got this wrong. I'm, I'm going big on this guy. But in general, whether consciously or subconsciously, those rankings feed into ADP and the ADP feeds into itself. And that is why for some reason, these front end, these high end RB3s are consistently or more often than not, I'll say, undervalued. And these low-end RB2s are more often than not overvalued. In fact, if the, all the high-end RB3s, if we could go back in time, if they would just switch places with the low-end RB2s, we would look at it and say, yeah, in hindsight, that all makes sense. And yet year after year, these high-end RB3s are undervalued. We have to take stock of that. We have to acknowledge the fact that there is something that isn't quite working with the rankings if a tier of players collectively are consistently overperforming compared to the high, higher tier of players. But the market is not correcting itself. It is happening year after year after year. 2015 looking at some of these high-end RB3 players, these back-end starters, guys who 
you know, people were thinking, eh, I don't know if this guy's going to do much. Um, but they were, a lot of them were starting on their teams. Doug Martin was the 27th ranked running back, scored 232 fantasy points. Gio Bernard, 28th ranked. Chris Ivory, 29th ranked. They all produced at high-end RB2 production that season. And in fact, Doug Martin was, I think, low-end RB1. And then you go down the list to 2016, and you get these this the same group of like guys that, you know, they're still starting, but we just don't give them the kind of uh, appreciation uh, that maybe we should. Frank Gore, who at that point was, I think, 33 years old, was the 29th ranked running back, but he had over 200 fantasy points. Duke Johnson, Jonathan Stewart. Were, uh, and Ryan Matthews, all in that high-end RB3 range, they were all pretty much getting 10 to 12 fantasy points a game as starters or high-end complementary backs. They were outproducing expectations. Fast forward to Tevin Coleman in 2017, and even Mark Ingram, the 25th ranked running back, a guy who... Uh, 28 years old, presumably past his prime, um, crushed it with 278 fantasy points that year. Fast forward to the next year, uh, Dion Lewis, a great complimentary back. Uh, Chris Carson at 24 years old, somehow the RB29 had over 200 fantasy points. He was the starter or starter capable. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Fast forward to 2019. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life. Like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help. From fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. And getting into Austin Eckler, who had an RB28 ADP. Melvin Gordon was a starter, but Eckler was a high-end complimentary back. And granted, a lot of people may not have been able to anticipate that someone like Austin Eckler could break out at that point. But Eckler had already proven himself, I believe, to be a, you know, a... a a potential thorn in the side of Melvin Gordon. And he was in a proficient offense. So maybe people should have given him more benefit of the doubt in that scenario. Tariq Cohen, 29th ranked that year. Duke Johnson again, 30th ranked. Philip Lindsay, who was the de facto starter in Denver, um, had about 200 fantasy points. All of them, top high-end RB3s, fast forward to 2020, David Montgomery. I remember that in 2020. 
just being um, re- really shocked that David Montgomery was the starter in Chicago and coming off a, uh, a pretty uh, disappointing rookie campaign. I think it was his rookie campaign. He was 22 in 2019 and he finished with 170 fantasy points nothing fancy and i remember writing on my old blog about david montgomery being i think i had him as a a top 10 fantasy running back and it seemed outrageous at the time but i started going through the numbers of how he was utilized that he was basically shut down in the second half and it didn't make any sense. Dave Montgomery was the most talented back in that backfield, but they were easing him into the offense. And my theory was you can't you can't continue to ease your bell cow back into an offense in year two. At some point, you have to turn him loose. And he was the 27th ranked running back. Why? Because he was roughly the 27th best running back the year before. People did not see growth potential. They saw 100-something points that he got his rookie year. And they buried him in the high-end RB3 section. So all that to say, and I'm going to wrap this up now because this is a quick hit, is that the mistakes that are made start with underestimating the abilities of some of these starters. Some of them we're not sure if they're going to be starting all season, but they're certainly the beginning of the season as likely starters. Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon were both high-end RB3s going into last season. Damian Harris was a high-end RB3 heading into last season. Daryl Henderson, even after Cam Akers went down, was a high-end RB3 going into last season. We have to come to grips with the fact that if someone has starter potential in an offense and they are ranked as an RB3, and the talent is there, we just don't know if the opportunity is, maybe that's a sign that we should be reaching for them rather than a less talented, rather than going a round or two or three rounds earlier and reaching for a less talented low-end RB2, who's simply a low-end RB2 because we expect them to start a bunch of games, but they might not have the talent or they might not be in an offense conducive to breakout potential. And that's really what I'm getting at. These low-end RB2 guys, by and large, are not the breakout potential guys. They're the guys who are the workhorses. They're They're expected to be starters, but they might not have the talent to keep the starting job. Whereas a lot of these high-end RB3s do have the talent. We just don't know if they'll have the opportunity. And I would choose talent in a draft over week one opportunity and less talent. Again, I'm BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. You can find us at profootballnetwork.com. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.